Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Yeah, awesome. You're excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. One note of clarification. I'm not on Tinder. I am the husband of one wife. She is right there. Praise the Lord. And um, just excited to be here. Uh, we actually heard a funny story the other day about that uh, a church. The Somebody was signing up and they said how they heard about the church. And the person said, someone I met on Tinder told me about the church. So if you're on Twinder, Tinder and you're swiping right, please tell them about our church. We'd love to have them. All right. So uh, we're continuing this series called The Goat, The Greatest of All Time. And last week we talked about how Jesus is intentional and his ability to be intentional made him the greatest of all time. But I want to talk to you today about how Jesus is present and that makes him the greatest of all time. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8 verse 22 and... If you know where I could get a green jacket, please see me after service. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, master, master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. I pray that you would just give us ears to hear and speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, I'm newer to Augusta, and one of the unique parts about being newer here is that people assume that you know nothing about golf if you haven't lived here before. And so I'm new here, and I met a guy, and uh, he was telling me all about Augusta National, all about the Masters. He's a ticket broker. and He was saying how the city got so excited and there was a, a sense of a buzz and electric environment in the city. Everyone was getting ready and excited. They were preparing themselves. Terrible drivers got to be worse drivers. And it's just such an incredible sense in the city. He began to tell me a little bit more about Augusta National. He, he told me about how that uh, so many great golfers had played there. He told me about the founder, Bobby Jones. And he told me about Jack Nicholas, who won six times at the Masters. But, and he told me about a few others. But there was something unique about when he told me about Tiger Woods. He said something uh, pretty incredible, I think. He said, and I just love that Tiger is playing and Tiger's playing well. Because when the greats come and play, the ticket prices go up. 
So I know he was excited about getting more money, but a light bulb went off for me because what I realized is that when greatness is present, it changes things. It has the ability to affect things. Uh, uh, One place that I see it practically is in basketball. In the NBA, there's a guy named LeBron James. And last year, he played for this team called the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they won 50 games and went to the NBA Finals. And this year, they have only won 19 games. And they're probably at Augusta National right now. And so what we find is that when greatness shows up, it affects things. It changes things. And remember last week we talked about how greatness really isn't about the accolades, but it's how what you do affects others. And in fact, labeling something as great really is in the eye of the evaluator. And today I want to present to you who I believe to be the greatest of all time. And his name is Jesus. Scripture talks about him from Genesis to Revelation. And it just reminds us that he is the greatest. He's the name above every name. He is the great one. He is the bright and morning star. He is the one we can depend on. And he is the one who is present in our lives. I'm talking about the greatest. He's the greatest. And in this story, we see this great one invading the lives of his disciples. We see how he affects their lives. And there are four things about Jesus being present that I feel like makes him the greatest. And the first is that he is present with a plan. When you don't know what to do, God knows what to do. When you're not sure which way to go, he has instructions and plans laid out. He is the one who's in the scripture that says, let's get in the boat. Jeremiah 29 and 11 tells us about these plans. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I know we get excited about that. God has plans for my life. It's going to be great. But the context of this verse is a little strange. Because in the midst of this verse, the children of Israel were in captivity and they were wanting to get out. And what God was saying to them is that my plan is for you to stay here for a little bit longer. And my brothers and sisters, sometimes God's plan isn't exactly what we want to do. God's plan isn't uh, just a bed of roses, but I'm so glad that he knows better than I know and that his plan is preparing me for what's next. You see, God knows what's necessary for the next step in your life. God knows what it's going to take. So he doesn't waste any problem. He doesn't waste any pain. And he knows the experiences that you need in order to be prepared for where he's trying to take you. And sometimes that means you got to wait. Sometimes you have to stay in a boat that you feel uncomfortable in. That's what this means. He's saying, I know the plans that I have for you. And I know sometimes it may be difficult and uncomfortable for you, but these plans end up with a hope and a future for you. And so the disciples are in the boat. And here, here's a lesson that we learned from this is that Jesus is always guiding us to our next step. That Scripture says that we go from glory to glory to glory, that his intention is to take us from where we are to the purpose and the plan that he has for our life. He is always guiding us to our next step. 
And see, we all have a next step. Our church corporately, we have a next step that we have embraced. And that is inviting someone to church. You see, we don't think it's an accident that people's lives change when they come here because we strongly believe that uh, through conversation and invitation, they can experience the, the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and their lives can be radically changed. So as a church, we all embrace the fact that we need to invite someone to service. And if you haven't thought about somebody to invite to Easter, you can embrace our church's model, which is to invite someone to service. But not only do we have a corporate next step, but as individuals, we have next steps. The disciples in our text, their next step was to get in that boat, to be obedient and to walk with Jesus. And they took that next step. For you, it may be starting that new business. For, for, for another of you, it may be scaling back and spending some more time with your family. For, for all of us, it is taking that next step towards destiny. But here's what I know. Jesus wants us to take that next step. He is guiding us. He is prompting us. He is pushing us to take the next step, to not be stagnant, to not stay stuck, but to take the next step in the journey that he has for us. And I know sometimes those steps are daunting. It seems difficult, but here's the good news. Here's the hope that we have with Jesus present. We never have to take that next step alone. So although it may be scary, although you may be nervous, you don't have to take that next step alone. In fact, scripture says that he will be with us always, even unto the end. Scripture also says that he is able to keep that which we commit to him. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to let us fall and fail. He is going to be with us until the end. We have a confident hope that every step we take, God is with us. Every step we move, God is walking with us. Us and never leaving us alone. This is a hope that the disciples walked with when they stepped into this boat. And so they're traveling on this boat, and in the midst of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, they experience a storm. And I don't know what you're dealing with in your life, but sometimes we get to places in the middle of what's going on, a storm hits. And in the midst of that storm, they begin to panic. And here's your next fill in the blank is that he is present with us when we panic. And so I begin to ask questions of the text because it didn't really make sense to me because these are fishermen. Most of Jesus disciples were fishermen. All but one were from Galilee. So they were aware of the area. They knew what was going on. So why in the world were they so panicky? Why were they so nervous? And I began to do a little research on the kinds of storms. And you see, If fishermen who are used to being on the water are nervous, that's really a time for people unexperienced on boats like me to get really, really nervous. Let me put it in the context that you could understand. If you are in the middle of your flight and your pilot gets on the intercom and says, y'all, I am really nervous. I'm really nervous. That's the time to get your right your life right with God and make the phone calls that you need to make to whoever you want to tell that you love. But these fishermen were panicking. And the reason is, 
it's not, it wasn't the kind of storm that we imagined. So normally storms, you think cloudy days, rain, thunder, lightning. Those are things you can anticipate because they have signs that they're coming. You see a cloud, you, you see the dark skies, you, you know that it's coming. They could have pulled into a port and avoided it. But the kind of storm that was happening in this particular season was what was called a windstorm. And these are unexpected storms. They happen suddenly. They just come. And and, and here's the thing about windstorms is that in the midst of the winds going crazy, the sun is still shining. So from a distance, it looks like everything is okay. And some of you in here today are going through windstorm experiences. From the outside, everybody looks and says, man, they have the best life. They have the best house, the best marriage, the best children, the best job. But internally, you are fighting private battles. You see, from the outside, the sun is still shining, but you're in the middle of a battle and you're panicking because you don't know what to do. But the good news is that before you got there, God already knew what was going to happen. Look at what he says in Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. He says, I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Here is the good news for us, y'all, is that unexpected storms in life are not surprises for God. They may have been a surprise for you. It may have been unexpected for you. But guess what? God knew this day was coming and he was prepared for it. He's not afraid of it. He's not worried about it. And he was ready for it when it arrived. They're not surprises for God. In fact, they are tools for you to see God in a way that you have never seen him before. How can you know him as a healer? If you've never been sick, how can you know him as a provider? If you've never been in need, how can you know him as a way maker? If you didn't need a way to be made on your behalf, here's what we know that unexpected storms are opportunities to see God in close proximity. Unexpected storms, the challenges that come in our lives are opportunities for us to see God in close proximity. Look at what it says in Psalms 145 and 18. It says the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. This is a reality that the disciples realize is that in the midst of their storm, in the middle of their battle, in the middle of this crazy thing, in in this real danger, they realize how close Jesus was. And for us, in the moments of anxiety and difficulty, we have the opportunity to see how close God really is to us. To see that he is a friend to the friendless, a father to the fatherless. He is exactly what we need and he is close in proximity. He is near. And and what's really cool about this is that in their panic state, they didn't have these eloquent words. You know, sometimes uh, when 
you got to speak and you pray and sometimes you say all these nice eloquent words but when you're really desperate and you're in need of God sometimes all the words you can say is help Jesus L- Lord I need your help I'm going through a season I'm going through a battle I'm going through a trial and I need your help and in those seasons his promise is to be close to us his promise is that he will be there in the times of trouble that's good news for us that is good news and here's a principle that i while reading this text that i have come to adopt in my life you see jesus was napping he was relaxed and comfortable and what i've decided is i refuse to worry about what does not worry god I refuse to be up pacing the floors about things that God is not pacing the floor about. I refuse to be worried about what does not worry God. Because he has everything in the palm of his hand and he is in control. And because of that, we can have hope. We have joy because we know that he is present and he is close and he is in control. But not only is he present and close, but here's the third thing that I want to show you is that he is present to handle our problems. It's not that Jesus is close, but he has the ability to do something about what we're dealing with. The disciples knew and they went to him and said, master, master, we are about to drown. In other words, they said, master, help. And Jesus arose and he began to speak to the storms. And this is what you need to know. I don't know what you're facing today, but but Jesus is able to speak peace to our storms. That's the truth of the matter. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but I know that Jesus is able to speak peace to your storm. He can speak peace to your marriage, speak peace on your job. In fact, while you're here lifting up his name, God is speaking peace to the things that you are worried about. He is in control and he has the ability to speak peace to every situation in our lives. Not only does he have the ability But he desires to do this. In Matthew 11 and 28, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wants to take care of these things. He wants to handle these things, but we've got to be willing to give those things to God. We can't hold on to those problems and expect God to handle them. We have to follow the example of the disciples, which was to surrender what they could not handle into the hands of the person who could take care of it. They went to Jesus and gave them the thing that they could not handle. The boat was going under and he began to speak to those storms and God wants to do the same thing in our life. But here's what we need to do. Jesus is able to handle what we're willing to surrender to him. We've got to give that over to God. I told this story in the first two services. Um, My son is very, very active. Very active. And he wakes me up to play basketball in the morning. And he really enjoys basketball. But we, I I raised a hoop to a higher height. And he was having trouble making the basket. 
And so he really wanted to make it. And when I helped him make it, he would throw a fit and get upset with me and stomp his feet and cry a little bit. And what I tried to explain to him is that you can't do this on your own. I'm trying to help you. But, you know, he's two. He doesn't understand that. But sometimes we have a two-year-old mentality with God. God, I, I want you to fix this storm. I want you to fix this issue. I want you to handle this problem. But I want you to do it by letting me do it. I'm not ready to give this over to you. I'm not ready to surrender this. And I want to challenge you today. Trust God with what you cannot handle. Surrender that to him and watch him speak peace over the places in your life that you have turmoil. Over the places in your life where you are struggling. Watch him speak peace over the private battles and the things that people have not seen in your life. He wants you to be whole. In fact, they call him in scripture, the prince of peace. They say where his presence is, there is freedom. And he wants you to experience that, but we have to be willing to surrender that to him. And the disciples set a good example. They surrender that to him. He speaks peace over the storm and suddenly there is a calm and I'm believing for a suddenly calm in your life. But then after that, Jesus turns his direction back to the disciples because after he handles their problem, he's ready to do something different in their life. Here's the fourth thing is that he is present to propel our faith. That, That word propel means to drive, to push or to cause to move in a particular direction, typically forward. I told you earlier that Jesus is trying to guide us to take our next step. But he's also trying to propel and push our faith forward. God never intended for your faith to be stagnant. He never intended for you to be the same person 10 years later to believe at the same level 10 years later that you believe now. He's trying to push your faith forward. Look at the question that he asked them in Luke 8. He asked them, where is your faith? The reason why he asked them this is because this was not the first time that they'd seen God do something incredible. This was not the first time that he had done something amazing that they marveled. It it was not the first time that he moved a mountain in their life. He had done miracles before. He'd made ways before. But what about this problem caused them to shrink back and lose their faith? I ask you the same question today. What is it about what you're facing that's causing you to shrink back and lose faith? The flip side of that same question Jesus was challenging them to raise your faith level. That where I am taking you, 
requires more faith than what you have today. What I want to do in your life requires for your faith level to grow. And here it is. When Jesus is present, being with Jesus will cause our faith to grow. It has to happen. Because the more you see him make a way, the more faith has to arise in you. The more you see him move mountains in your life, the the more faith has to arise. And God uses these storms not to destroy us, not to deter us, but he uses it to build faith in our lives. Because he knows what is coming is greater than what you see today. What he wants to do next is bigger than what he has already done. This is what he says in John. John chapter 5 and verse 20. For the father dearly loves the son and shows him everything that he himself is doing. And the father will show him greater works than these. So that you will be filled with wonder. God wants to do greater works and blow our minds. Not just individually, but corporately. In the Old Testament, there's a scripture that talks about if you've seen the glory of the former house, it will be nothing in comparison to the glory of the latter. Another place says, your latter shall be greater than your former. What's coming is greater than what was before. But we have to raise our faith level. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Based on what Jesus has already done, we should trust him with our now and believe him for greater things in our future. Knowing that God has greater plans, that he has bigger things that he wants to do. And sometimes, y'all, we dream too small. We believe so small and God wants to do greater things that will result in wonder. God wants to do greater things in your life. He wants to do greater things in the life of this city, in the life of this church, in the life of this world. God wants to blow our minds in wonder so that the glory of the Lord will be filled in all the earth and that all will say that Jesus is Lord, that he is the greatest of them all. That none compares to him. And this is what the disciples realized. And this is the bottom line. Is that Jesus being present in our lives changes everything. Jesus being present changes everything. He changes our outlook. He changes our attitude. He changes everything about us. And that's what he wants to do. In our lives. But we have to answer this question. The question is. The last part of that verse. The disciples after Jesus said that. Asked this question. What? Who is this man? Another version said. What manner of man is this? Who is this man? And you've got to ask answer that question for yourself. You know, for some, they believe Jesus is a great teacher. For others, they believe he's a great philosopher. 
Some just think he's an all-around good person. But I want to remind you, he is all that and more. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Savior of the world. And at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the greatest of all time. He's the greatest. But we've got to decide. Who is he to me? Maybe you've never been challenged in that way before. Maybe you've come to church all your life and you've never made a decision. Or maybe this is your first time. I want to tell you that you can decide today for Jesus to be Lord in your life. It's not some hula hoop you have to jump through all you have to do is just say yes to him you don't have to be perfect he already loves you and knows what's going on in your life we just have to say yes and if that's you i want to challenge you to open that worship guide and look at that connect card and in there there's a box that says i've chosen jesus would you mark that So that we can follow up with you and help you take your next step on this journey. And maybe some of some of you are in the middle of a storm that you need God to handle. And I want to remind you that he is present. He is able and willing to handle what you're going through. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that has been shared and declared. God, we are so grateful that you are always present with a plan. That when we don't know what to do, that you know exactly what to do. That you are helping us take our next step in you. And God, I'm just so grateful that in the midst of the journey, when we find ourselves panicking, that you are present, God. That you are aware of what's going on. And you will never leave us nor forsake us. But God, not only are you present when we panic, God, but you are there to handle the problems in our lives. And God, for every person that is dealing with problems who are facing private battles, I speak in the name of the Lord Jesus, wholeness and freedom. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that they would find victory, God. Lord, your word declares who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I pray for freedom that God, as we are here, you are moving in our lives. You are moving in our homes, moving on our jobs, moving in places that we cannot see to work things for our good. But God, I pray that faith will arise in us, God, that we will believe you for greater, that we won't ask for tens or hundreds, but we would ask for thousands and believe you for all that you would do, God. Let our faith arise. Let it grow because you will do exceedingly, abundantly above all. And we thank you and bless you for it. In Jesus' name. And every believer shout amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.